There is a structure here, but I like the aimlessness of our chat. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Welcome back to The Consequences Podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. That time you left, you said for good. Remember it like yesterday. Agreed our differences are large. That's where the real excitement lay. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're thrilled to have with us someone I've been speaking with for a couple of years uh, since he sent me a box of extremely old tapes largely from a, a band that hasn't existed for uh, the best part of 40 years, but it was immensely exciting. Now, this chap has a lot of shared history with one Graham Goldman, and we'd love to dig into that. But also, we'd love to hear about this chap's time as a yachtsman, a Christian, and it's immaterialarian, if that's a word. I've just made that up and it doesn't work. But hey-ho, we, we, we've got editing software. But also many, many stories of prolific songwriting, producing superstars, and a new career as a solo musician. We're delighted to welcome to the podcast Mr Henry Priestman. Hello. Hello. That, hey, considering you said you hadn't rehearsed an intro, that was pretty <laughs> bloody good, wasn't it? I know. It was very good, wasn't it? <laughs> He's good, he, isn't he? Henry, he we've, is, been, we've he been talking for too long, I think. <clears throat> uh, in fact, the, the record collection uh, you can see behind me, that's just my Henry Priestman collection. <laughs> uh, I can't thank you enough for, for resurrecting those old yachts. Yachts. How did we get? How did we get in touch, Sean? Was it? I just, did I see that you were? It was through David Jarvis, who was a mutual friend of, and who's uh, Graham um, Goldman's archivist, isn't it? That's yes, right. Exactly. And um, what had happened is that um, David sent me a, a load of old VHS cassettes of you at the Huntsham Court songwriting session, which we'll delve into, won't we? At yes, some we point? will. We yeah. will. Yeah. Um, and I digitised those. Uh, for David, but as yet we hadn't been in contact with each other. And then you rang me up and said, "Oh, do you do audio tapes?" And yeah, I said, "Well, these, it's funny these, you should say that." These tapes are—I uh, mean, you sort of when we moved house last year, basically moved to where I'm on Anglesey now, and you just think you see these tapes. Of, well, will I ever get to hear them? You know, is should I bin them? And I couldn't. I couldn't bin them. You know, <laughs> they said, "I don't know." There was probably about wow, six or seven yachts tapes, weren't there? Of yeah, and then there was. All other things, there were there was several really interesting Christians ones. Yeah, some Christians one, and a live tape of, that, we, that we did for Radio Merseyside. And so it was just, what do I do with these? And then when I, I think I must have just through David Jarvis, I think I learned that you did do reason. And it was all, it was quite fledgling. You, I think you're a bit of a master, haven't you taken it? You've cornered the market now, haven't you, Sean, for people who want reel-to-reel. <laughs> all four people in the UK who want tape baking <laughs> have been in touch with me. I got I got a call from a, from a Scottish chap. Um, who's got a tape of a session he did uh, with Sly and Robbie in New York. Wow. Yeah. Is that, uh, uh, is that uh, McDermott? Uh, no, it's not to do with Kevin, Kevin McDermott, no. but I, I did a batch of tapes for, he, for him He was on well. Ireland with us, same time as us, he was on Ireland. Yes, yeah. uh, and, um, and we're really excited that the Kevin McDermott tapes are going to feature in Tim's listening party on Twitter 
at the end, wow. of, uh, end of March. Wow, oh, are they? Yeah. Right. yeah, so that's so that's really, really exciting. So there's not much of a market to corner, Henry, but, <laughs> but I have got a corner of it. Yeah. Um, well, I think there is. is nice. I think there's so, there are people who have these things in their loft, you know, and, and, and I just think, I thought, well, it was, who do I turn to, you know, and just your name came up. But, <laughs> yeah. And they Brilliant. sounded so good, and we did a little... We did a little video, didn't we, that I put on YouTube. You can actually see you in the background, in the mirror. I don't know if you no, noticed yeah, that. I, I, you can see me walking out for a fact. Yes, walking out, going, God, do I have to listen to these <laughs> songs again? That video features Paul's uh, mum and dad's tape machine. Oh, the, Fer- the Ferguson, yeah, yeah, that was 1969. I mean, it, it, came, it arrived in the house about 20 minutes before Apollo 12 lifted off. It was the most exciting evening oh. ever, so we bunged July the bunged. 9th, was it, was it? Well, no, that was, was that was 11. No, this was Apollo 12, as an Apollo geek, I've got to say. Oh. That's, that's, that's no, <laughs> that geeked us, he's out geeked no, us there. Yes. November 69, but yeah, right. sort of unpacked it, and then because... Obviously, that was way before video, but you can actually record stuff off the telly. It was so exciting to be. Yes, able to I, I used to. I used to record Python and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, and then of course, you know, things off off the radio, Peel, Fluff Freeman. You know what I mean? That's yeah. I've just got. I mean, I've got. That's maybe another thing to give to Sean. I've got these tapes of all loads <laughs> of prog on it, loads of Radio One in concerts and things like that, and they're all on this. Yeah, I, I dread to think whether they've all crumbled now, but who knows? But. Uh, yeah. You'd be amazed at how playable these old things are. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. But let, let's let's dive in, Henry. If if you'd um, excuse our indulgence to to start off with, I'd love to know uh, a, a couple of things really. Just by nature of the podcast, I'd love to know about your relationship with Ten CC. Firstly, as a, a fan, if you were back in in the seventies, and then uh, a couple of decades later. Um, Tell us about your relationship with Graham Gouldman, and we, we'd love to um, perhaps share a few moments of, of when you were rubbing shoulders with him at that posh place. At that posh place. Yeah, right. Well, yes, I was a fan, huge fan, um, especially sheet music. Uh, I, you know, uh, I went to see them at Hull City Hall on the, would it be the, the, the sheet music tour or the one afterwards? I'm trying to think. Well, what year was sheet music? 74. 74. Oh, bloody hell, I'm, I'm way out. Okay, <laughs> so 74. Yes, it would have been the sheet music tour then. Yes, I was still in Hull. And um, I, and they were they were, they were amazing. They were just, I, I mean, I love them. I love that album, the original soundtrack. I mean, that, that whole, you know, I was just a huge fan. And it was just, I've always loved pop music. And they just did pop music with a bit of a skew. They skewed it a bit, didn't they? And it was clever lyrics and... Um, it's just amazing. And then you, being a geek, you look at the writing credits. You go, okay, so so they all they're usually writing twos, but then okay, oh, he's writing with him, and he's right. It's, it's yeah, great, loved it. When the split happened, then Henry, did you did you follow Stuart and Goldman, uh, or did you did you hear consequences or any of the other uh, later? Shame on me! <laughs> I have never heard consequences. <laughs> I looked out for a vinyl of it quite recently, you know, especially right. on a, and I must go and check it out because you <laughs> lot rave about it and it's it's outrageous. I feel I feel a fraud being on this. <laughs> 
<laughs> you are, spot. but we, we're going will... to have to backdate this. We're going to have to put an insert in, Henry, where you actually come back and tell us what you yeah. think. We don't care what you think of it, but it's 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 part <laughs> well, of, of the club. <laughs> yes, I mean, I'll have heard tracks off it, but the whole thing, you know, sat down and listened to it, I have yeah. not. So uh, I suppose in a way that was my... Um, I loved um, How Dare You. I slightly lost them maybe after that. Maybe, yes, I slightly drifted a bit. And then punk happened and... <laughs> the universe yeah. and you weren't allowed to listen to 10 cc no you were actually yeah they were okay actually they weren't you know but i still listen to them all bloody i was just, i was just dusting down my mahavishnu orchestra albums before that well, <laughs> absolutely and and you and i were chatting the other week weren't we about our, our shared love of, of of good prog yeah uh, yeah so i i reckon consequences fact, yes yeah <laughs> well yeah, yeah. So we, we, we both own uh tales from topographic oceans to our shame um, so something tells me that consequences might tickle you. I think so. I think so. And again, I think I think what put me off about it, it was like this thing, oh, well, they're doing the gizmo. And I was going, well, possibly I distrusted it. I thought, well, is this a, a thing to sell their, their wares? And mm-hmm. is it any good? And maybe That's I should have done. But then again, you know, you didn't have, you didn't have YouTube. You didn't have Spotify. So I knew no who, who had it, you know, and so I... I yeah, that's my excuse, my lord. <laughs> well, there you go. There, there is a marvellous video on YouTube, Henry, of the the actual master tapes of Consequences going round and round. Right. Um, so you could lose yourself in that on maybe do four or five sittings rather than <laughs> hit, hit yourself with it for an hour and 50 minutes or whatever it is. So, yeah, di- oh, could, dip in and yeah. out. It'd be lovely to hear hear your thoughts. Yes, I will do. I definitely will do. Fantastic. So let's let's fast forward uh, to, the, to the 90s, Henry. Tell us about Hunch and Court. It looked like a really exciting melting pot. A life changer for me. So I was signed to... EMI with a load of other amazing um, songwriters. And I think the second one I went to, um, there was Graham Goldman was there and there was Desmond Child who wrote, you know, Living on a Prayer, all the Bon Jovi, all the, just like Jesse James, Sherman, loads of it. Peter Connor who wrote Things Can Only Get Better, Kirsty McCall. There's just, it was just amazing. So, and the first time I met Graham, and when we bonded, I think, straight away from being from the North, and, um, and um, yeah, I suppose I probably was a bit of a fanboy, maybe. It was probably you know, embarrassing <laughs> or whatever. I've got this. I think possibly I took, I think I took my copy of, um, uh, what do you call it? You know, my, my albums. Well, what's the one with the Space Hymns? I took my copy of Space Hymns <laughs> oh, yeah. in, in order to try and impress him. You know what I mean? Oh, God, this, uh, for him to sign. So, no, we just got on great. Uh, we were in the, so what you do, you, I would be called a white, a workstation person. So I'd have my computer, maybe a little bit of recording equipment and a keyboard, and then to have a guitarist and then a vocalist. Um, so, so I think with us, actually with us, there were a couple of keyboardists because it was Ben, not, uh, yeah, Ben Barson, you know, Mike, Mike Barson uh, from Madness. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. So his brother was the other co-writer. So we all met in my room. So the, the, the rooms were all named after different um, composers. So I think Graham had the best room in the house. I think that was Beethoven, I think. And then there's Mozart. Da, da, da. I was Butterworth. Oh, I don't know very much about Butterworth. Oh, he was an English composer, wasn't he? I think. I think he was a British composer. Don't, don't know. 
Um, so I was in Bottleworth. So he was like, right, you all meet in Bottleworth. So we so the, we met, um, and we just the three of us clicked like that. Would you, you know, with the stories? I mean, again, half that the first meeting is when you write a song. Anyway, you you sort of chat about shared experiences. You just get to know each other, mm-hmm. and um, it became obvious that we're all three of us were big fans of pop music. Mm. And uh, by the end of the, the by the end of the day, I remember Graham Turner. He said, "He said this is like the early days of 10CC writing oh. with you two. And I went, "Wow, that's yeah. fantastic!" And it was just a joy to work with them. Then, of course, you're there for a week, so you're with all these wonderful people. So you might have written with, say, Graham and Ben one day, and the next day will have been with Kirsten McCall and somebody else. And uh, and when I say somebody else, it might be a total newcomer. That's what was a, sort of the joy of it. There'd be yes. people who, you know, I've, I think he was, uh, was it uh, Peter Fatui? I can't remember. Um, but the, the chap I wrote with uh, Kirsten McCall, he'd ne- he'd only just signed that, you know, to EMI a few months before. So you were with all sorts of people and you were learning as much from the newcomers as you were from the old hands. You know what I mean? It was just, yes. we were all, you all learned. And it just was a an eye-opener for me as, as to how to write song about songwriting and, uh, you know, how, how I go about songwriting. Oh. And it was just a, a joy. And I went, they kept on asking me back. I think I went six times. I was I went more than anybody. And they go, well, because when things like when Kirsty came, she was having a bit of a, a writer's block and said, so they put her in with me the first day, you know, Henry's a safe pair of hands. I think that's what, because, <laughs> because I knew I did, I did have a laugh and we had, you know, we had fun. We used to perform the song. So you'd write the song and then you'd have to perform the song in the evening after the evening meal and everybody would troop to each other's bedrooms who was, you know, so, and, and you'd, the rest the, the audience would be stood at the door or wherever, all going, woo, woo, woo. And, yes. and they'd learnt the chorus by the time, you'd obviously learnt the chorus by the time the second chorus come, they were all joining in on harmonies. It was just fantastic. I think that first time was a song called The Call. Uh, and then the next time, you see, Graham obviously was another person to get invited back a few times because he was good value. Um, and the next time was, um, Crying Time Again, which yes. of course is on Graham's uh, love and work. Absolutely. Oh, Can we have yeah. a, qu- a quick, brief listen, Henry, to both of those tunes? I've got the call. Oh, what have you got them? I've got the call queued up here for you. The, uh, shall I explain about the call? The call is about basically Huncham, isn't it? We uh, we came from all directions. From it's about it was a, just sort of a joyful, you know, song about where we all were. And yeah, go on, let's have a listen. Oh, wonderful. Oh, it's in real time too. Oh, we told you it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is done in my bedroom at Huntsman. Right. Yes. And this is you, Graham and Ben. No, this... Uh, yes, yes, sorry. Oh! I think, actually, this is the later one. This is a demo we might have done at EMI. Right. OK. Because it's quite well played, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers and sisters standing proud. Oh yeah. We all arrived down different ships, but we're all in the same boat now. I like that. We're all in different ships.
nice. Ah, nice. That's lovely to hear. That. That was, those harmonies are terrific. Was that released, that song? I'm not familiar. No. I mean, that's, a, that's a, you know what? It's strange that you say that because I'm actually going through, now going through loads of old songs going, my next my album is going to be called Beautiful Ruins. And it's basically songs that, you know, were definitely going to be on an album or definitely somebody was going to cut it or whatever. And they never right, got right. cut. And so I'm going through, I'm finding songs from some songs from Hunt, some other songs, you know, from various. I always used to go down to EMI studios and be working with different people. And they'd say such and such. Um, like there was a, I forget who it was, but they were looking for a song a bit like Delamitri. Oh. And so we did this song called Stephanie, this me and, and this girl, Anna Krantz. And I'd heard that the other day and went, that is going on my next album. That's it. Cause I, I don't know whether I'd necessarily do that particular song, the call that we've just listened to, but cause it's got to, I don't know. It's got to fit in, I suppose, with what I'm trying to do on the album. You know what I mean? I'm slightly sort of yeah. focusing a songwriter, but yeah. that's just a wonderful pop song to call it. Brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. The harmonies are terrific. Let's have a listen to to this. Uh, uh, I think an early an early version here, Henry, of of crying. Is this time. the one in the? Is this the one in the bedroom? I'll wonder. That I'll tell you. Anyway. I'm not sure. It may be in the bedroom. I think the tape's a bit wonky as well, so you'll have to excuse that. Where were you? wanted you where were you when i needed you your eyes are cold as ice it's crying time again you let me on i never noticed there was something wrong you didn't show it so it came as some surprise it's crying time again Free me from the pain Oh, I can name myself that. I thought you would free me from these chains So is that recorded in the, is that in the bedroom, Henry? That? I think it is in the bedroom, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely song. And there's a version two here. I, well, I recall there's a version. I've seen the video where you showcase it for the first time, and you can really see the reaction instantly. Oh, it, 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 you've captured something with that song, and it, it really comes across on the video. I think. Yes. Yeah, I, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because I remember um, people coming up after and going, "Oh, that is a that's a great song." That you yeah, know. yeah. And nothing happened with it for ages, but I'd met up with him with a view to doing something for Dreamboats and Petticoats, the musical. Yes. And uh, so I was, I was around at his house and st- he let me, I was staying there, which, is, which had great fun. You know, we'd always go, go out for a curry. And I think I just mentioned Crying Time again. I said, do you realise I've got all the, all the parts for that? And he said, uh, he said, well, if you have, you put, it, put it together, it'll go on the album. Because also, Andrew Gold was on the demo. So not that demo, but uh, a later one, you know, that I, so I came back with all the, the, the bits that we'd recorded at Huncham and redid a lot of them. And I think then Graham came up here to Anglesey and uh, we, we worked on it. And he must have sent, sent it across and got Andrew Gold to play a bit of... Um, Dobro, isn't it? Doesn't he play uh, yeah. Dobro? 
Yeah, he does. I, I he remember does, that yes. from the liner notes. It's great to have Samandra on there as well, of course. Oh. And did he do the Hammond as well, I think? Ring, ring. Mm-hmm. Where were you? Not sure. I think, Not sure. But yeah, you're right. And I think that was part of the thing that Graham went, because uh, I said, um, and we've got, we've got Andrew's bits. And he went, oh, right, well, if you can find anything. And he was on a, you know, a dat somewhere. So oh. I'm going fi- to find this. If it kills me, I'm going to find this. Yeah, lovely to hear those two songs. I think Graham, or maybe you as well, tried to get that to Eric Clapton. And I can really hear him doing that, but mm-hmm. it didn't. That was what Graham told us, I think. I think Graham told that to me, but then he said he's not in good... <laughs> yeah, I think, I could be wrong here, I hope I'm not right. besmirching. But he said, I'm not so sure Eric's much of a fan of his because he split the bar... See, he left the Yardbirds because of Graham's song. <laughs> I got you wrong yeah, there. That's, that, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, think, I think I remember Graham saying to me, well, I don't know whether I'm the man to get it to, to um, Clapton. But yeah, you're right. I mean, these songs, you can hear a lot of people, you know, that's almost a country mm. song as well, isn't it? Mm. It's got two choruses. I think that first version you listen to there... Graham went away, and there's a there's a sort of another chorus, and he brought that one in. And you know, have a listen if you A B the two of them, you know, if right. you're nerds like us three, <laughs> yeah. uh, we we will we'll edit that yeah. we'll edit those versions into the podcast for sure. I don't know much, but I know it's true. Yeah, I know love, then love takes two. A co-writer on any of the the songs on Graham's last album, Modesty Forbids. Had you actually written together for that album? No, we hadn't. Um, again, I suppose it's because I've since doing my own album. I'm not down. I was. Well, the time was I'd be going down. So before I did my uh, Chronicles of Modern Life album, so that'd be about 2008. From about 2000 to 2008, I was going down to London you know, probably once every couple of months, going to the AMI studio. We were both on AMI, me and Graham. So often I'd go, you know, um, should we do, do you fancy doing some writing? And he's so accommodating and also accommodating as he'd say, well, you can always come and stay. Still says it. If you're in London, when are you coming? You come and stay. So we did quite a few around the, um, uh, the, the period when we were looking for songs for Dreamboats and Petticoats. So another one song from that, the, 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 we aimed for that musical for was um putting my faith in love yes. again off of which um and that was done for let's say green boats and petticoats <clears throat> but it never got on so i think graham always loved that song said that should that should be out you know and we did a few gotta get back to gotta go back get back to louise have you got that one i've got a, i found a load the other day which probably i haven't even i'll, I'll yeah. get them to you anyway no, not, not, called, not heard that one that at one. all oh if i'd have if I'd got myself sorted i could have had it ready for you oh That's don't worry it. but it, it, if you'd be kind enough to send us a, a couple of mp3s henry that'd be good yeah, well, and great expectations i don't need no expectations oh it's um yeah i i, I found another few only the other week going i'd forgotten about those so probably been a, might have done about 10 or so with with graham okay wonderful wow. let's have a, a, a brief listen to putting my faith in love and then henry if you could tell us a little bit more about about a dream boats and petticoats Say 
Great, great to hear stuff. that. I don't know whether I'm on. You'll probably be able to tell me. I don't know whether I'm on that because I've, I've, I've obviously in my head I have the the demo and that, and they're not too dissimilar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know. I, t- I tell you what, I did do for that one. Uh, he's got the wonderful Brian Bennett on drums. Yes. Mm. And I, I said to said, Graham, and how do you, how do you say something? I said, Graham, the drums don't sound as good as they did on the demo. Do you mind <laughs> me just adding a bit of a? So I got every snare beat and made it a bit brighter. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> don't tell Brian. No, no. <laughs> no, we did. It's all Brian, but just the actual the, the downbeat of each thing was. You know, we do get demoitis a slot when we you do something. You go, oh, it's not quite. But it's that sounded great. That love it. No, it's brilliant. And um, it's lovely hearing those fun country elements coming through in that stuff, Henry. And a bit later in our chat today, I'd, I'd love to explore how your your work seems to have morphed into a, into a more of a country flavour. What's the other one I co-wrote on that? Um, Shadow, Lost in the Shadows of Love. Yeah, yes. that's a nice one. Oh, it's a beautiful song, right? So so I'm there at Graham's in his living room, whatever, and he's playing along and he, we were waxing lyrical about um, Ron Sexsmith. I'm a huge Ron mm-hmm. Sexsmith fan. And he'd just done that um, BBC Two, you know, Songwriter Circle thing with Ron Sexsmith. And I was, oh, yeah. we were just chatting. I was going, oh, wonder. I said, you need to hear, you know, this the first album. You need to hear this and that. And he started playing something, you know, because we performed a few a couple of Ron's things. And then he started playing something. I assumed it was Ron Sexsmith, right? So I go, I said, it's great that it's just the only thing. It's just a little bit too beatly the chords. <laughs> and he went, no, that's one of mine. I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to, thought I was going to be ejected out. He said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, what have you got? Anyway, and he again really kindly just said, well, look, you said if you sort the lyric out for that, so. Between us, we did over the next few months, we sort of sending ideas back. And then he came up here and we recorded that literally 20 yards from where I am now in the, what is now my bedroom. Or what was oh, in, ang- in angles. Yeah, that was, that was recorded oh. here, yeah. Just as I think that I'm getting close I find we're still far apart Lost in the shadows of love in the shadows of love. And it's a lovely string section on there, isn't it? Peter Whitfield, who... Yeah. Well, where did where did they get put on? They, they weren't up at, at yours as well, were they? No, well, he's, he has been here, Peter. He's my go-to man for strings. He's absolutely... He did stuff for the Christians. He's done stuff on... He did the wonderful arrangement on my uh, Grey's the New Blonde and Don't You Love Me No More on the first day. He's been on every album. Like, you could sort of afford to use him for a couple of songs on each album <laughs> to me right. and he's he uses um he's an absolute gentleman from north manchester so there's a nice tie in there yes and um he uses different violins so it sounds like different people that the whole thing will make it sound big ah, okay. it's not the same violin tracked so it'll be a different violin and he'll like lay behind the beat and then the next take will be a fun oh. and it just i oh, mean those, what a lovely idea and so a, I, I suggested to Graham, I said, what, what if we put strings on this? And, and he said, do you know? And I said, yeah. So Peter just went away, sent it back. Yes, absolutely. I don't think we even have to tweak with this arrangement. It was just oh, so Oh, he, he does the whole thing. 
He's, yeah. he's, he's like he's like a Todd Rundgren string quartet. Or yes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> well, there's another podcast we need to start. Oh, oh well, we, we did an episode with uh, Phil Thornalley a few weeks ago, and he is I don't know whether you know whether you know Phil, the producer and, and writer. He is a a massive Todd fan, and we spent probably as much time talking about Todd Rundgren as we did about Phil. Oh so. shit! I oh, must <laughs> listen to that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you'll you'll like that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge Todd fan. Yes. Well, oh, me too. Aren't, aren't me we too. all? Aren't we all? <laughs> Tell us, Henry, because um, we one of the things that we love about Graham's songwriting is his mastery of chords, and I, I get the I get the impression that he's a, a naughty chord meddler in a, in a in a songwriting session. Does he? Does he grab your ideas and, and transform them? Do yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the, the other thing is, like, half the chords he's playing, I haven't, you know, I, I know me four chords and they've, they've, <laughs> they've done okay for me. But in the song, <laughs> so I'm going, so what I tended to do, I, I've got this Yamaha um, semi-acoustic, which is really quiet. It's great for songwriting. So you can just sort of hide hide behind somebody who's playing a bit louder. And also, I just tend to play the bottom couple of strings, you know, in case I don't know what chord he's playing then. I don't want to show him the sound. <laughs> and I, and I, maybe if I was going, well, it could go to and I'd end up just going, ah, oh, it could go to that <laughs> note. You know, I'd sing it with Graham. He's, yeah. I mean, that's everything. He's a wonderful bass player, but you don't realise how an amazing, what an amazing guitarist he is, especially acoustic guitar. So it's yeah. so sort of delicate and the things like um, Lost in the Shadows of Love, the, the guitar playing is just gorgeous on that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's one of the discoveries we've slowly made over the course of the podcast that, yeah, Lol and Eric, great guitarists, but Graham is really the unsung guitarist within TNTC and elsewhere. He's he's such a great player. Amazing and and an amazing bass player. Yes, of course. So many memories we're fighting for. Can't you feel it too? I can feel it. So if you decide. I asked him, would he play bass on the second album? And he came back and said, yeah. And it was like, it was great because it was, we used to be you, which is about uh, kids, um, um, you know, moving away, going away to school, oh, going yeah. to oh, university. I, going oh, to I love that tune. There's a, a gorgeous video of that, Henry, that I was watching. Uh, that was posted up on your on your page, wasn't it? Yeah, is that the one that my friend Mark Herman did? Yes, I think he just it's all it's all just uh, like a rostrum camera. I mean, it's just bits yes. that he's yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful video that it really is, and it's such a tender, tender song. I love the oh, stick about that on yeah. Sean. I oh, love that, that. oh, that sorry, that's the one with uh, me and Graham Groomer. Yes, that's the one um, on Vintage TV, and we were working in the studio, and I said, <laughs> I'm, I'm nothing if not a trier. I said to Graham, you know that day we're working in the studio. Would you be up for coming up to uh, just? It's just up the road from where we are, hmm. and just being on this TV program with Neil McCormick from the Daily Telegraph. He used to do. I think the channel was Vintage TV. I forget what it was actually called. You know what? I've never watched it. I'm always too embarrassed because I, I don't mind seeing myself play, but you know, seeing myself talk 
I don't mind hearing the songs. <laughs> well, let's, let's just hear a bit of the song, Henry. Yeah, go on. I think this is lovely, and I think the, the premise of the song is absolutely Well, it's based on fabulous. three people, one of whom was Graham, because Graham, uh, Rosanna, they, they, and the, you know, the kids had just moved out, and he was on his own with the dog at that moment, at that time. Okay. And he, so him, uh, my friend Ian Brown, who co-wrote the song with me, not the Ian Brown, the other Ian Brown, mm. and my friend Mark Herman, who would go on to do that video, all had kids who were going away to university for the first time, and it just, you know, it's the song almost wrote itself. Oh, let's let's hear a bit of it. We'll see you in the summer, for a few days if you can. If you get no better offer, and it fits in with your plan, don't forget to call your mother. But if you do, she'll understand. We'll understand. We used to be you. <laughs> Hugely recommended for any, for all our listeners. If you go onto Henry's website, henrypriestman.com, uh, and then just click uh, onto videos, beautifully shot, and it's such a joy to see you and Graham harmonising away there, Henry. Uh, no, and we, you know what? He'd only... I think we ran through the songs literally that in the morning. I think it was in the afternoon in the morning. While we're doing some songwriting, I said, are you still up for doing this, Grant? Because I'd sent him the song, and bless him, yeah, he'd learnt it all, and he'd learnt the harmonies, and we just did it. But the other, sorry, the other uh, um, video I was referring to on YouTube is the one, the sort of the official one for the album version, which Graham plays bass on, which is lovely. Ah. So it's, it's, I mean, he's not in it. It's just it's pictures of kids. Well, go and watch it. It's, uh, I say, I think it's, it's called We Used To Be You. It's probably the, the one that's watched the most on YouTube. So check that out. Directed by Mark then. So this is your friend, the same guy who, I'm looking at Wikipedia here, <laughs> who went on a, to direct The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, Brastoff and Little Voice. Is that the he same He wrote guy? Brastoff as well, he yes. Wrote, yes. Yeah. I've, known Mark, I've known Mark since I was eight. We were at school together when we were oh. eight. He's a fellow Hull City fan, um, and he's yeah. So he co-wrote uh, Hooverville, an ideal world, yeah, yeah, uh, for the Christians and sad songs off the first album, and then it became a bit politically <laughs> incorrect for me to be writing out with people outside the band. So uh, he didn't write any more for the. Oh yes, he did. He wrote Perfect Moment, which was on his. He doesn't remember it quite. It's not quite so well. Uh, it's on Blame It on the Bellboy, which isn't as held in such high esteem as his, as his other song. The one with uh, Dudley, Dudley Moore. Is yeah, that that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah so, <laughs> and uh, the perfect moment is uh, is featured in that. I remember Mark telling me the story how whenever there's a radio on or there's a scene in a cafe or whatever, the, 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 you know, he managed to get it in whenever possible. So Mark co-wrote the, the lyrics for that. So And the Christians sang, sang that. But I still use, we, we've got a, We've written this, the title for the next, my next album, Beautiful Ruins. We, we wrote that, if, uh, we basically finished it in the last year. And right. uh, I've just been, he's just literally yesterday, he's got, I'm in, a, I'm in a good frame of mind for writing lyrics. Send me some ideas. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's a, it's lovely oh. since we've known each other since we were seven or eight. Oh, fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I'm waiting for the perfect moment, hoping for an end to my wasted yeah, he got the perfect moment. Suddenly the world don't look so great. Can we kind of go 
backwards in time to the late seventies. Paula, did you want to go? Do you want to yeah. head that in, head in well, that direction I go, as well? I, I've just got a, a little uh, a little itch to scratch here, just <laughs> back a little bit further from your whole days. Uh, I think you, you were at the art college in, in Hull. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's so, right. Foundation it, course. Yeah. Any Philip Larkin stories, or didn't he slum it? Or did he just stay at the university? Did you did you ever cross no? Well, see, we were at the art college, so it's a different yeah. beast. No, no Philip Larkin. Uh, stories apart from when <laughs> when uh, the, 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 the a video we did for Forgotten Town um, to time with Whole City of Culture, and mm-hmm. there's a there's a scene of me coming into the station past the Philip Larkin statue, mm-hmm. where and just beyond that is John Prescott playing the piano, who nods to me. <laughs> But he didn't, actually, because it was all I had to do it two days before. So they're going, right, you'll be nodding to John Prescott there, just by the (laughs) Philip Larkins. (laughs) So that's my only link with Philip Larkin. Okay, well, I'm glad you mentioned Prescott. But Reckless Eric, though, Reckless Eric, was uh, he was at the main college. We were at the foundation. He was at the main college. And uh, so the the gig we did at the end of that year, which is when I left Hull and moved to Liverpool, because you do one-year foundation, uh, basically he was we were the support band, and in my band was... John Bradbury from the specials. Oh my goodness! Who I didn't wow. see again until he was on top of the pops playing, you know, whatever it, whatever the the hit was, then the the specials hit. So, oh, that's amazing! Wow. And, and this would be before the House Martins, wouldn't it? A different yes, generation, different yeah, generation so talking, to them. Yeah, seventy four, seventy five. That was in Hull, and then seventy five, I moved to Liverpool. Yeah, wow. so you move from one hotbed of musical talent to another, clearly, and. I was going to ask you about, you talk about them in another pod- podcast, Henry, Deaf School, who seem to be like a massive influence in, on all the bands that came up just after. They are the most loved band in, in you know, Liverpool. They're just, uh, I mm. don't know if you know them, but they're wonderful. And I try and see them live. They're still out there playing live. They're still, oh, they're still out there. I didn't realise that. Yeah, they play, um, well, they're obviously in Liverpool, they can sell out <laughs> a big place. But in London, they usually play places like, where well, is it the Dublin Castle? Is that still going? Wherever. In Camden, um, yeah. Yeah, Camden. And uh, they're just, well, they were the third year. We were in the first year. They were in the third year. Part of the reason I went to Liverpool Art College, I tried to get into Leeds. If I'd gone to Leeds, I would have been in the same year as Mark Oldman and Dave Ball of Soft Cell. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd have been on the same course because we they did fine art too. <laughs> I didn't. I failed uh, Leeds. I, I didn't get in, get the interview. So Liverpool was my second choice. And it was merely my second choice because Deaf School were on the front cover of Melody Maker. They'd um, they'd won the Melody Maker Young Hopeful or whatever it was, Hopeful Band or whatever. And so the winner would uh, basically got a, a recording contract with Warners. And so I was aware of Deaf School. And even in my diary, the first week of arriving at Liverpool, I'd snuck into a Deaf School uh, rehearsal and sort of made myself known and got on the guest list for the, for their gig at the end of the week and they they that was a life change I mean I arrived with full on you know long hair flares and whatever and <laughs> it was seventy five and then deaf school they were already looking cool and they were sounding cool and they were just uh, I cannot speak highly enough of of them and and Clive Langer who's the the main um, of course, would go on to do all that production work with mm. Madness and uh, Dexes and stuff. He was the first person who said to me, well, why don't you write your own songs? Mm-hmm. And you go, how do you do oh, he that? He actually suggested to you. Yeah, he oh, did. Wow. He was, I remember where we were. We were in, uh, uh, just off Matthew Street and we just they'd just played. I think we'd supported them 
our band Albert Dock, which was pre-yachts. We morphed into yachts. We Albert Dock down. and the Cod Warriors. Great name. That's right. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, yeah, <laughs> Albert Dock and the Cod Warriors, very art school. And it was basically, uh, you know, uh, I was going to, yeah, a shitter version of death school, basically. <laughs> um, we were, but a lot, there were eight of I think there were eight of us, and say seven of us. And um, it was great fun. And then we sort of slimmed down a, a year later. But yeah, it was Clive saying, why don't you write your own songs? And, mm-hmm. you know, how would you do that? You know? Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I sort of detect the same playfulness in the early yacht stuff. Uh, well, not, no, there is only early yacht stuff, isn't there? I, 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 I detect the same. I, I detect the, the same playfulness, particularly with your lyrics. Back to the, the I love the, I love Def School's first album. I love the sort of Bonzo, uh, bebop deluxe, shades of some sheet music type thinking. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's really quirky and really. It, sometimes it's camp and very English, and then yes. sometimes they, they, it's knockabout fun. Sometimes it's sort of quite effeminate, and and it's I, I love it. It's so eclectic. What a way to end it all! What a way to end it all! Goodbye, cruel world. It's all sewn up. You've got it made, and I'm out of love. All right, okay, let's go. It is, isn't it? And then, the, you know, there's obviously bits of Bowie and Roxy in there, you yeah. know what I mean? And the whole yeah. cocktail, you know, cocktails at eight and things like that, those torch songs. And yeah. and they had three singers, which was great. So they, it was just mixing it up all the time. Uh, they probably were, you know, you say about eclectic, they're probably too eclectic for their own good because, you know, it's just people going, well, what are these? And punk was just about to happen and it, it's... Right. Yeah, the great band. Check them out. But say check them out live because they are still wonderful. Live. Yeah, and st- still with Clive in the band. Yeah, we have still the same lineup basically. Wow. I mean, sadly, um, Eric Shark, that Sam died, and Tim died even uh, uh, quite a while before that. So we've had the same. I think he's called Alan. I think the drummer. Right. But yeah, basically the Reverend Max Ripple, Eric Shark, all the. I mean, sorry, not Eric Shark. Um, Enrico Cadillac Jr. There's all the. They all have their nom de plumes, don't they? Yes, Which that's is, right. And of course, Clive did. Didn't he? I can't remember what his cliffhanger. That's it, cliffhanger. But it had to be. Oh, it's wonderful. That would be worth a trip just to pay tribute to one of the best British songs of all time, I believe, Shipbuilding. It's just a rumour that we spread around town Somebody said that someone got killed in saying that people get killed in The result of this ship What a song. I, I mean, I just think those chords, I mean, and, you know, people remember Costello, and it is, it's a wonderful lyric, but also mm. the music is fabulous. It really Where did you is. get those? They're almost Goldman-type chords, those. Oh, it's, it's, complicated it's full of for me. diminished, and uh, it's so rich. I, I adore yeah. that song, Henry. I do yeah. too, yeah. It, he also wrote some of Morrissey's stuff, didn't he? Uh, when think he so. was producing him. I think he ended up with some co-writes on yes, Morrissey's singles. Yes, I think singles. so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, Probably denying it now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. He's, he's gone the way of Clapton, hasn't he? Into let's the not go uh, down. I, I used to be into that. Anyway, yeah, let's not go into that. Once again, 
connections. This is the this is the fascinating thing, you know. That some uh, there's always connections, and I find it so interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I get that's that's. I just think I'm so sort of lucky to have been around when I was. You know, I'm not. I, I don't mind not being a big player, but it's just nice to have done bits of pieces with you know various members of various bands who've gone on to do some or whatever. And you think, great, great. You know, I've I've been very lucky to have been around these people. Well, you know, I think underselling yourself slightly. I mean, there's a lot of people who are, who were around. It's funny, you know, recently I, I entered this uh, uh, competition called Talent is Timeless, which was basically for uh, songwriters over 50. And what was interesting was that, I mean, my song didn't get anywhere. and But the songs that won, although they were good, there wasn't, a, and I listened to quite a few of them, the, one, the winner and the second place and the third place, etc. I didn't hear, really, I heard lots of good songs, but I didn't hear an outstanding song. And, it, and what this competition was, it was people my age and slightly older who'd probably been sitting on songs for years and years and years. And it, and it made me think, if, if this cohort, if we're all putting in our very best songs, and to my mind, none of them are absolutely outstanding, that might just mean that, you know, the right guys were picked. You know, the A&R people actually did do their job. And do you know what I mean? And Because uh, I, I was actually expecting to hear some incredible songs that had got missed, but I didn't hear any. It's, it's funny because me and Les, uh, so Les who I play with now, and, you know, we're... we're we get sent quite a lot of stuff and, and you, you put it on in the car and you listen to it, you go... It's all right, but it's not, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, and, and I love what he does, and he loves what I do, which is quite nice. And we, and sure. and, and we think we're shit, but we go, you know what? <laughs> we're quite good, aren't we? <laughs> we must be to still be going. You know what I mean? There's so many, there's so, there's so many people who can craft a good song, but the dip, the gap between that and having that bit of magic, that's that's the intangible, isn't it? Well, it's funny you say that because with uh, that. Um, song we used to be you which we talked about before yeah yeah i think that is one of my you know it's not been a hit it won't be it will it won't ever be a hit but it, it's one of the songs i'm the most proud of and we really honed that song and i went back and I, we had it and there were a few lines that i wasn't happy with and i think my co-writer ian i think he'd have gone yeah that's all right and i i have just like you've got to make every you know, every line counts. And it doesn't, you know, if there's something where you go, ooh, you know, that's not quite working. You just have to keep on at it, I think. And I'm yeah. a real, I think I drive people mad. We're going, well, should it be a but or should it be an and or should it be a yet? <laughs> you know, a little, and it's crucial, all that, because it's, you know, I, I, I do drive people mad, I think, but I'm just after that perfect song, which you never oh, yeah. quite get. But it's so hard to say goodbye. One day you'll go through this too. I hope we're there when you do We used to be you We've got a few examples to play later, Henry, of, of those. And, and just in mentioning Les there, uh, I have to mention that you were very kind enough maybe six months ago to invite me to one of your little shindigs online. Uh, oh, yes. Where, where you and Les regaled a large crowd of, of, of adoring fans. Uh, it was in incredible, the, the kind of comic chemistry between the two of you, the anecdotes uh, with all the songs and everything. It, it was, honestly, it, it was an absolute joy. And had I not got a, a natural aversion 
to Zoom. I, 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 I would have stayed on there all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know what, I think... I think that one you came to, it, suddenly we decided to open, let a load more people in because we kept it to just one screen, 25. And then we thought, well, let's open it up a bit. And it, one of them, I think it might have been that one, it got a bit raucous and people were just, oh, oh can, can you get me a beer from the fridge, please? And so we, the next one, we actually had, we employed, I say employed, didn't get paid. I mean, I'm from Yorkshire, aren't I? But we, we got somebody to basically mute the noisy peoples and it made it a, a lot, you know, a lot more interesting, a lot more fun. On for rather than having people interject, and we love the bits of interjecting. I mean, just like hearing your dog, then Sean. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other little thing it can make can make a a, a a night or whatever when we were doing things like that. But um, no, they were great fun. Those Zoom gigs were fantastic. Yes. Tonight was gonna be the night I was gonna play something new for you, but all you want is something old. Now you've had a drink or two. going to be even more fun getting out into the populace in a real way from now well, on we did yeah we did a we did a songwriter circle last saturday which was great to um you know just get back out there there's about 100 people as me myself and uh, les and and my old guitarist pete riley who's a songwriter in his own in his own right and it was just such great fun and we also you know you just uh oh hang on what's what, what chords are going to there oh you know mm-hmm. i'm lucky also because I, I play cajon so it means i didn't really have to learn the other people's songs if i didn't want to and i just you know basically <laughs> just look at look at them when tell me when a stop's going to come and i'll stop it <laughs> but yeah it worked out really well Talk us through the early days of yachts. Yeah. <laughs> These are the, the complete tapes, and wow. we've got the, the rough mixes, yeah. I, I presume from the first album, and then you've got that um, the warped demo from 78. Yeah, any of them, you know what I mean? Because if they're bad, I can have a laugh about it. So <laughs> <laughs> Easter, please, which would end up on the album. So this was with Will Birch. Uh, we did, who did the first single, suffice to say. So, yeah, maybe you could play a little bit of that. Okay. Yes, I'm easy to please, but need you. <laughs> Those last few days when it turned sour, it was a case of give and take. Oh, it stopped. Yeah, sure this not. is just, oh. no, it's, this is the tape in its oh, entirety. Oh, 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 right. Thank God, that's a bit better. That time you left yourself for good. Oh yeah. This is great to hear again. <laughs> Yes, I'm easy to please, but need you. 
Ah, oh, lovely. Bit Fantastic. Of, bit, of, bit of Spectre influence in there as well. Yeah, there I, is. I there's a bit of everything in there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so that was... So Yachts, we uh, so came out of the art college, um, supported Costello in 1977, oh. in, I think about... We've changed our name from Albert Dr. Yachts in, in May or June, supported Costello at Eric's in Liverpool um, in August as... As, and all Stiff Records people were there. And at the end of that gig, they said, would you like to come down to London to support Elvis? Uh, he's doing a, a residency. So we did the first, or you did a four-week residency. We did the first um, Sunday, and then we did the last Sunday of the month. And as we walked out of the last Sunday, they said, right, would you like to do a single? We were going, what? So you just the speed of which it was happening there was incredible. Uh, and then we, so we got together with Will Birch, Recorded, suffice to say, and it was getting, you know, got loads of good reviews in the sort of the you know, enemy and sounds and things like that and great gigs we're doing. And then John Campbell, the singer, who I would then meet up with, it. well, not not meet up with because we live together, but we would be back in the same band again later and it's a material. But John chose to leave the band. And so it was a case of, right, will Stiff wants, still want to, you know, sign us? Do they want to do a, a second single? So I think what we've just listened to then is the, it could be the demos, it could be the actual sing. I'm not sure. It was, I think it was Will Birch who'd produced the first single. He produced that, that, that what you heard just then. And obviously, I think Stiff went, well, we don't really hear it. <laughs> Let's <laughs> drop them. They haven't got a lead singer. And John was so charismatic. Yes. And I think we needed, we probably did, you know what, we didn't actually sign to Radar until 70, was it late 78? So we probably did need just uh, six months, a year of just playing and playing as a four-piece. I would take some of the vocals on that particular one it was martin watson the guitarist who was i met at Hull Art college and we went to liverpool together um so we, yeah we didn't really have a it wasn't it was it was a to, it was a different band and maybe stiff didn't get it you know what i mean and i don't blame them i don't know whether i whether i'd have signed somebody on that scene but it's great fun to listen to no absolutely and you mentioned suffice to say yachts are best known for that song aren't they really suffice to say you love me I think so because well they are over here because um yeah the four piece didn't really hit us i mean we were gigging all the time you know in the uk but ironically in america it's it's the first album the richard gotter album um which we recorded in in new york in 1979 and uh was it yes early 79 and that um was did really well considering. I mean, it was got in the Billboard Top 100, and it was the most. I remember I've been sent all these these uh, press clippings of you know most added on record and on uh, in Cashbox magazine and Billboard. Wow. It was like in the foot, and there was Bob Dylan saved something else, Pointer Sisters and Yachts. I mean, I'm thinking, <laughs> I was 21 thinking, hey, here we go. Yeah. But it wasn't to be, yeah. and it's probably just as well it wasn't to be. But that first album was much rockier. The, the the production then the singles we initially did with Clive Langer for the four piece which was going yachting type and uh, um, look back in love they're much more poppy you can hear in fact that's I think Clive's first ever production bits were, were with yachts I think okay and then and then we went to America and did um, we did did it with Richard Gotter and it's a lot tougher sound and I think possibly it might have alienated the British audience and definitely the British press. They didn't like us. But the Americans absolutely loved it. I mean, I've got this book called Book of Cool, 
by Gene Scolati, who um, is quite a well-known writer, you know, liner notes for things like Beach Boys albums and stuff like that. And in it, he says, but to effortlessly toss around phrases like tantamount and suffice, you know, the, the cold porter of, of pop or something like that. So, yeah, they got us Praise there. Crazy indeed. They, they liked it. They really liked it, but it did, didn't really happen over here. I, I love the I love the tongue in cheek humour. I think my favourite lyric of the of the stuff I know, Henry, is from Suffice to Say. It's it's very self referential, kind of Nigel Blackwell, half man, half biscuit style. You, um, the singer's singing. I never wrote a middle eight. Uh, he's talking about the very song that you're listening to. I never wrote a middle eight, so we'll just have to do without. But uh, there's an instrumental break just after this. I never wrote a middle eight, so we'll just have to do without. But there's an instrumental break just after this. Suffice to say you love me. Yeah. I and mean, that is lovely. It's so and lovely. There's, a, there's an instrumental break just after this. You know, four weeks is much too long. Four weeks long. What can I do? Well, I wrote those lyrics in um, in France, and I've got in my diary, it says, how I took them through and read them to my mum and my sister, <laughs> and they sort yeah. of laughed me out of court. They went, you can't write that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the chorus, suffice to say you love me, I can't say that I blame you, suffice to say I love you too. And what's lovely, here's a, get, let's get the strings going now, yeah. the, the girl of whom I wrote that, you know, whom I wrote that about is, is 100 yards away in her studio painting. Oh, Isn't that oh, nice? Oh, that is that wonderful. Is. 40, yeah. whatever it is, four years later. So it's a bit like your own I'm Not In Love, you know, which Eric wrote for, wrote, wrote for Gloria and they're still together. Yeah. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very pleased. I like that song, yeah, the way, I mean, talk about Todd Rundgren again, Henry, the way it breaks the fourth wall, if you like, if, if that's the right sort of phrase. Do you, know the, do you know the Todd song Chain Letter from uh, the Ballad of Todd Rundgren? That's... Ex- I do know. I don't know. It's what you know. I don't know it, that album as well. Have, it's a sort of. A, it's the last song on side one. Have a listen to that. It's the same sort of thing where he says, "Now I'm in the middle, and I just don't know if I'll make it any further if the words don't flow." It's a kind of right. Yes, it's a very unusual thing where you're actually talking about, as Sean says, the song while you're in the middle of it. It's a fascinating well, thing. I've got to be honest. Actually, the inspiration for that song was um, a good old prog favorite, Matching Mole, Robert Wyatt. Oh, okay. Right. okay. On the on the first Matching Mole album, there's a song, uh, and it, I love it. It's it goes, and this is the first first, and this is the first first, and this is the first, and this is the chorus, and then it goes, <laughs> or perhaps it's a bridge. I've lost faith in this song or whatever because it won't bring you back to me. Something like that, and I just thought it just got me laughing. I think. Again, I was doing what my mum and my sister did. You can't write a song with lyrics like that. I mean, no, it, it goes it's on. Worked for, it's worked on Hallelujah, on your song, Elton John, that, yeah, where, where yes. it references the, it, it, itself. Hallelujah uh, is so clever, isn't it? The, the major, because mm-hmm. I mean, that is just, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, an, that's another level above ever, all these other songs we've mentioned. Just, it's amazing that. But yes, it was it was Robert Wyatt that I that I got that idea of writing a song about a song. I didn't know what to write. I'm not an angsty, as you probably gather from spending half an hour with me now. I'm not an angsty <laughs> sort of person. I, I mean, I, 
Although the, the, the society, I can do protest and, and annoyance and getting angry with things in songs, but I can't do Oh, Woe Is Me. Um, so it was a, a way of, you know, right, how do I write lyrics? Again, taking on board what Clive Langer said, well, I, you know, how do, I, how do you write a song? Mm. So those were about, I think that was possibly the first song I ever wrote on my own because John and I would, would write together. Right. And then I say I was on holiday and I just came up with the whole, the whole thing. John came up with this, like, the talking bit in the, at the beginning and the middle eight bit. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because actually in my lyric it goes, I never wrote a middle eight, so we'll just have to do without. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna mention that, and then there is one. Which then there is one, yeah. yeah. So that it didn't quite it didn't quite work that. But, but nobody's noticed it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to touch on the, the 1979 stuff, Henry. Um but yep. I, I wanted to highlight a, a tune that, that might be my favourite of all the tapes that we digitized for you. Uh and this is I think a very, very different version to what appeared on later stuff, but I'll have to try and cue it up. Yeah. Ah, with my Farfisa? Yeah, this is Henry on his Farfisa. There is my actual Farfisa, made it onto a book cover. Oh, wow. I love this. dystopian alternate universe without Elvis and just Mantovani on the radio. Marvellous. Exactly, yeah. That, well, that was actually a comment that the, the, the wonderful late Roger Eagle, who, who started Eric's Club, which is where all us Liverpool bands went to, he actually had, had said that in a conversation. I just clocked it. <laughs> he said, we'd be listening, you know, we'd be listening, but for, you know, all these people in the 50s to rock and roll and... Uh, so we'd be listening to Mantovani. I just thought I just took it. But he's so preposterous. I mean, that lyric's so preposterous, but it's fun. <laughs> and I love that, I love that pompous Rick Wakeman intro as well. It's, oh, it's yeah. great stuff. Which, and, and of course, on the on the album version, we re- we recorded at Radio City in New York in the music hall. We use there's a studio above above the uh, above the the main sort of Radio City, you know, auditorium and stuff. Mm. And you see scantily clad r- rockettes. Is that they call the rockettes? I think they were, weren't they? They were like the version, their version of the Tiller Girls. Right. They're wandering down the corridors. We were going, what's going on here? <laughs> anyway, upstairs in the studio, you could get upstairs and you could play the organ and it's a, a proper full-on. I mean, you hear the, the – I don't know whether you'll be able to edit in the difference of what the, the organ sounds like there, and it's a proper church or, you know, massive organ. And we thought, we've got to use that on Mantovani. Ah, 
fantastic. But talking talking of the Farfisa, Henry, how did you come to be using one of those as your main live instrument and and not a synth or worse? Because you could get cheap synths then, or could you? Maybe it was it no, true? not really. Well, I tell you why. Because somebody had one going for for, for twenty five quid. It's wow. the <laughs> That's the answer to the question. Isn't it? Well, I was I was initially going to play guitar, and then there were three guitarists, and it, this was originally in Albert Dock. So I played what is a, it's called a, is a Honus Sembalet, which is the, um, uh, the the Dave Greenfield, the Stranglers, oh, oh, yeah. you know, on grip. Yeah. We're tasting rock and roll. Get a grip on yourself. It's yeah. that all that Lovely sort of sound noodling. Kind of, yeah, electric that piano noodling. organ type hybrid almost. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's. I think it was the, basically it was there. It was their electric piano before things like Wurlitzers and yeah. that came out. And it's it's a tick. But that's so we had that, and then there was a chance. I say, I think Martin, the bass player, Martin Dempsey said somebody's selling a, 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 a Farfisa, and I do think without that, it would have been totally different. It was such it was such a, a sound for us. It would just made us different to. I mean, Costello had they had a Vox Continental. But, and we were all listening to those old Nuggets albums from the, the mid '60s states, you know, the, from the states. And oh, some great, great compilations, weren't they? Absolutely wonderful, those Nuggets. And there'd, there'd all be these bands, you know, who probably had one good song and loads of Farfisa and Vox Continental. And I, I just held it up before, and I'm afraid they won't be able to see this. That's actually your Farfisa. That's my Farfisa. Wow. My Farfisa. The chap, he's American. Great. This is Volume Three. There are there are three. It's called Another Tuneless Racket. <laughs> <laughs> can you wave in the 70s volume three uk new wave so the volume one is basically the the uh, the history of of punk it's like you know iggy lou reed um and then going on to patty smith television talking heads and all of that yeah. volume two is is a bit more in the british british lot and then the volume three is new yes yeah, so i'm i'm <laughs> Absolutely made up. Oh, what was this made up about getting a song on an album? You know, yeah. it's getting yeah. my. And I just said, I said, I've still got. You know, he he interviewed me, and I said, well, what are you going to put on? You've put a you've put a drum kit on the first uh, volume. You've put a Gibson SG on the second volume. What are you going to put on the third, third volume? I said, it's got to be Farfisa. He went, yeah. I said, right, I've got. So I got my friend to do some good pics of it, and but it's oh, made really? my year. That did. No, super. How sad am I? <laughs> Not at all. Lousy debut demo tape, 1978, yeah. which you think isn't lousy, don't you, Sean? I do. I think it's really quite uh, very good indeed. Because that's what I'd written on the tape, so it was obviously I wasn't happy with that. But I want all these ones because they've got early versions. And there is one song, Northern Girls, that has never been heard by anywhere apart from people who came to see us live because it was a bit of a one. It's dead cheesy, though. <laughs> <laughs> was, that on your la- was that on your lousy de- uh, debut? I think it might be. It might be on that. And I tell you what, I tell you what, Sean, I've actually cheated a bit. Go on. I've got, because I put it into Audacity, that free program, I'm going to put a bit of echo on it just to make it a bit tougher. <laughs> it's so, it's so cheesy. And, yeah, but it, I, I wouldn't mind it going on the album. It's just great. It's just, cool. it's, can we have a quick listen to that, Sean? Yeah, have you got it? Like... Have you got it? Oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh dear. Pop is a lonely game. <laughs> Moving from town to town. <laughs> I love it all the same. 
Oh dear, this is as cheesy as I get. I, I apologize. We'll wait for the chorus, here we go. <laughs> Why did I bring this song up? Oh, no, it's, it's, my own, it's my own fault. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. California girls for girls who don't drop their chips. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, that, oh, thank you. That, I'd forgotten about that one. Tell us about what it was like working with Martin Rushant. Brilliant. I mean... Um, <laughs> So we did the first album with Richard Gotter and it was very exciting. We went to New York and all that and it was done in two weeks. And then the second album uh, was, I think Martin had done Stranglers and obviously I had big success with their, I've probably done both their album, early albums. So he was known, uh, Andrew Lauder, who was our A&R man, you know, obviously knew about Martin and got in, you know, suggested him. And we were like, absolutely. I mean, what a, and what a, he was just such a, a great person. I mean, it's such fun to be around. And, um, yeah, I just wonder, we had a wonderful time doing that. And the, then we went out to his place to do... Did we do go out to his place? To, we were in Eden Studios um, to, when we recorded all that stuff. Again, it was probably done in two weeks. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. madness how quickly. I mean, now you, you take two weeks to get a hi-hat sound. But, yes. Uh, or, or, no, no. now you'd all do it at home, wouldn't you? Um mm. But yeah, great fun with Martin and um, God, some of the stuff he went on to do. Yeah, well, I mean, Dare was only just a couple, a couple of years down the road, wasn't it? Well, that did yachts die a death? Soon after those Russian sessions, Henry, what happened? Um, well, we did th we did that Russian Russian album, and it was all looking so good for the states, and we were booked for a, a tour over that. I I don't think I mean, if hand on heart, it, it's not a great album. It's I mean, you know, it's got some good bits on it, but I think I, it, it was we call it our prog album because they are <laughs> they are quite quite long winded, great live. But I don't necessarily know whether the, some of the songs work, you know, on, on a studio basis. And I don't think, if I'm being honest, I don't, it, I'm not too happy with the sound of the album. Um, mm. And it, which, and we had such fun. I had such high hopes for it. And I remember it was, and when I, when I got the got it back and listened to it in the car, and oh, it all seems a bit disparate. Um, so the Americans didn't get it as much as they did the first album. Um, and we did a we. I think we often meant to do is a, a really long tour, like we did the with the first time. We did forty-two dates, you know, up the up the east side, across the top, and down the down the west. And I think we just basically played around New York, and then I think there's something happened. Uh, Martin Watson, who's a guitarist, he's he's got much better memory. I've got my diaries, but he's got his memory, mm. so mine's good. If you know, if you if we've got three weeks and then you want to come back, but Martin remembers it all. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, so it just—it was a bit of a damp squib as the second album, and then after that, uh, Radar, well, stopped being Radar. Hence the name Yachts Without Radar was the. Was, ah, okay, okay, okay. I was just <laughs> pathetically trying to stick it to the man. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, and then Andrew Lord, bless him, stuck with us, and we put out one one final uh, track called "A Fool Like You" on Demon Records. Um, 
Yeah, I think it just, I was, by that time, I'd, I'd been in It's a Material during the Yachts period, just a sort of fun band. And I remember going away to tour America and I came back and um, John and Jarvis had started writing songs and one of them was that a gigantic raft in the Philippines. And we went and recorded it and I went, wow, actually this is more interesting and more fun. Mm -hmm. Than, than what I'm doing in yachts. And I think I didn't, maybe I didn't know what to write about anymore. It seemed the first, that sort of, we'd done the sort of wry bits of humour. And I had, yeah, it's, it, it, things come to a natural, for me with the Christians, the same thing. It was like, well, do I want to, you know, we're doing those sort of social comment. Do I want to keep on doing that? It's so, this sometimes there seemed a natural life you know, mm. right? That's 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 time to call it a day. You know, sure. And it's and it's quite hard to do that, isn't it? Particularly if, well, perhaps harder if you've had a good deal of success behind you. Maybe. Well, yeah. Yes, there. it was. Yes, it was harder with the. I mean, with yachts, we were probably all on the dole, or whatever. it didn't really right. matter. What we, right. You know, um, with with the Christians, it was you do. Well, let's keep this going because it just might be a hit round the corner, and then at course, some point yeah. you go, mm. well, no, that's no, not. So we did. With the, we'll come on to that, but we did split yeah. up and then got back together again, and they're still going now. Which is great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let, let, let's delve into uh, its immaterial briefly, uh, Henry. You sent me bizarrely um, an interview tape, uh, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, is you with the its with immaterial uh, and, yeah. and and also um, Ian McNabb. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't know what was on that, so I just sent that to you thinking it might be of interest, but then I realised it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really a fascinating discussion, like, no, unlike it's, this, of course. It's, well, also, also, it's not, it's a bit, well, it's, I mean, uh, me and Paul Barlow, the drummer, were in it's a material, but we weren't the writers and we weren't the driving force behind it, uh, especially by them. And it's, when it started off, I was sort of pitching in, we were basically doing old sort of cover songs from dead obscure American 60s bands, you know, and that, that was the, a lot of my cheesy influence. Uh, there's one song called Young Man Seeks Interesting Job. Oh, you should try and find that. That is worth digging out. It's the first it's a material. I mean, it sounds, you couldn't get further away from what it's a material became. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. But it, and it's, uh, it's off of uh, an album that I've got on the Boulevard label called Swinging London. Young man's, well, young man seeks interesting job, wants to fly like an eagle. Young man you know, who is caged just like a bird, uh, no, it? will do anything legal or something like that. I, wow. I always, oh, it's so cheesy. Oh, we can find that. It's, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on right. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a material started of a totally different beast. And then I say John and Jarvis were writing together. And this first track, uh, the the first proper it's a material a single, I call it, it was a uh, junk trick raft in the Philippines. And suddenly it was getting radio one airplay and people were going, this is great. And, so yeah, it was it was it was it was more fun than being in yachts. So yeah, how great. interesting! And, and good to good to be back with my, my you know my best friend John Campbell, basically. Yes. Talking about Ian McNabb there, Sean, are you th- are you, were you going to go the same? It's funny this. We we got a, a mate called uh, Jim Hughes. He was in a band in Liverpool at that time. It was a band called the Cherry Boys. I don't know whether you knew them. Is he the drummer, band. Jimmy? Jim, no, bass. Uh, no, Jimmy. that's Jim, Jim Sangster, I think, is the, is the drummer. Jimmy Jimmy was a guitarist. He was in a band with Ian McNabb called City Lights, pre-Icicle right. Works. 
And he was then he was in the Cherry Boys. I just wondered if you ever crossed paths with. Him. No, I don't think I know. Is, is this a City Lights? Are they the band where Ian's put some of these amazing pictures, and they're all in sort of cabaret get garb? Yeah, with that, big, that's, oh, that's <laughs> you know. I think that that song of my Northern songs, uh, Northern Girls, is embarrassing. But these pictures, <laughs> you just want a fair play to Ian to putting them up uh, on his face. But they're wonderful. They're just, <laughs> yeah, yeah I think he, Jimmy and Ian did um, some live work. I think ten years ago or so. Oh, they they re- they reformed um, City Lights. That's what it was. Right. And I th- let's hear a bit of uh, uh, inane banter, really shall we? In England. Yeah, in England it goes against you because you know there's so many bands in Liverpool that you know people. Oh, that's Ian. Right yeah. Another Liverpool band. Right. They all sound the same and all this. But don't you think that people actually do look to Liverpool for good bands coming out of? I mean, rather than <laughs> Newcastle or Coventry or. I think probably <laughs> the gen- general public does because like, I always used to say that oh you know it's stupid all this about Liverpool it's just the same as anywhere else but it isn't you know. How true. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't pick Arbit because Arbit was so boring. I don't, I don't know. I, you know. I can only imagine that John and Jarvis went, oh, we're not doing this interview. Go on, throw the, throw the dollards in. Yeah. So it was just like, I think we were just taking them piss, weren't we? I think me and Paul. I can't, don't, don't dig it out, for goodness sake. Sean. No, but I'll tell you what I will dig out. What? And it's this. <laughs> oh, nice one. Oh, That's me on drums. Right. Oh. And sax. Right. And guitar. <laughs> Woo! And coming up in a bit is a sort of Morricone... Twangy guitar solo. Is that you as well? That's me as well. You can see I was a bad influence on the band. (laughs) Good, good drum track. Is that played to a click? Because it sounded pretty. Pretty, um, we didn't have oh, clicks then. Okay, well, pretty solid to me. <laughs> it's, it's, good one. it's so different, Henry, from the, the It's Immaterial that I, I know and love. Not that I, I didn't love that, but um, <laughs> I, I'm a constant champion of, of this little beauty. It's, yes, it's their, yeah. it's their song album from about 89, 90, that sort of time. I think it was after your period with them. Yes, it was, yeah. Um, and I think it was produced or engineered by... Uh, Callum. Yeah, who who worked with Blue Nile? Yeah, and, yeah. and there's there's huge similarities between between the song album and uh, and the, the first two Blue Nile records. I love it. New Brighton, for example, is just New, gorgeous. Yeah. New I mean, but Brighton. At that, that one and oh, the the one they've just done. Well, when I say just did did it come out last year? The year before was it just pre-COVID? I can't remember. But that's again they've sort of carried on on that what they were doing on song. When it rains, 
For me, actually, I, I love, well, maybe it's because I know it so well, is uh, Life's Hard and Then You Die, which is the, the album before that, yes. because it's just so eclectic. They go, yeah. they're just they have songs with like some strange like Amazonian percussion on, and then they'll have another song. Oh, it's just, it's brilliant. Album. Of course, it has Driving Away From Home, the, the single. Yeah. And, I, and I love that tune. But you couldn't get further away from where they are now with that. So I, no. as I just said, you know, I needed to leave the band for them to become successful. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bad influence. I was a bad influence. Yeah. But but you were on top of the pops for driving away from home, weren't you? Miming. Miming. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I was miming. So what happened? So they went, uh, John and Jarvis flew out to um to Minneapolis or something like that and did it with with um Jerry Harris and uh, ex of Talking Heads and uh, yeah. Modern Lovers. And I did this wonderful, the wonderful uh, harmonica player and this, I was like, did they have a, a banjo player or is that on another track? Anyway, they came back, came back to, to, to England and remixed it. And uh, I heard that uh, Jerry Harrison asked his name to be taken off. Sounds like a bunch of faggots. Is oh, I mean? no. That is, that's what I've heard. Anyway, so they took his name, I don't think his name's on, I don't know whether his name's on the album cover. Wow. Um, but, they needed somebody to, to mime on top of the pops. So I, <laughs> I can play a little bit of harmonica. So I just made sure my, my blowing and my sucking looked like I was doing. And I probably, yeah. have, uh, yes, I am. That was my first top of the pops appearance. Yes. Oh, Great fun. Brilliant. Great fun. Brilliant. And um, before we go into sort of later top of the pops appearances, uh, Henry, and, and uh, brushes with massive success, talk me through this strange tape. Uh, it's one of the ones that you sent down to me. And it didn't really mean much to me, but I believe it's you working with Jarvis, it's immaterial. The Rape of Java. Nobody in the world has ever heard this before. Mm. Apart from me and my wife. Bit of dulcimer there, very nice. I love this track. Yeah, I do too. It was going to be a. It was going to be an, an it's a material B side. We've I've even got the label copy for it. You wow. know, they, they actually pressed. I think on the other one was White Man's Heart, and then this was going to be the B side, and it was pulled. I don't know why. Huh? It's just me and Jarvis basically busking it. I'm on sax. He's on auto harp. Oh, auto harp, right? Not dulcimer, right? Right? Not, right? Of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. And TR808. Yeah, it's it goes nice. on for about eight minutes. It's... It does, <laughs> but it's it's interesting, and it's got shades of early Tears for Fears as well. I think I, I really like it. Well, I, I I think I think I thought at that point I would end up um, doing film music, and that's what I wanted to do. I thought, well, I, maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm through with pop. It hasn't worked. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm now what a twenty eight or something, and it's not worked. It's time to go to something else. But yeah, that wow, that has not been heard by anybody. That apart from me and Jarvis, and probably our, you know, <laughs> our nearest and dearest. Oh, wow, wow well, that's that incredible! Might... And it's upstairs in in um, in my bedroom cupboard. <laughs> F- <laughs> fa- and now, it? It, fame indeed, fame indeed. Yes. This has been such fun. Oh, it's oh been, yeah. I can't believe it. You have, you know, somebody asked me last week, um, I did a, a radio thing. They asked me a question I'd never been on. But you've, you've asked me and also played things. But no, I mean, that Rape of Java, uh, that is, 
That was a mind mm. blow my mind a bit. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantastic. But you you can blow our minds next week as well, Henry. I can't wait to get to chatting about the Christians. Who I've I've always loved the band, and it's been lovely revisiting uh, the first two albums which I own, and and the and the third album which which I never owned, but I've really enjoyed getting my teeth into that. Yeah, it's it's good. The third. I mean, I'm not blowing my trumpet. It's it's it. Nobody sort of discovered it. Didn't really do. And I think it. Just sort of came out, came in, went out. And there's, I, mean, I love the single "What's in It." Anyway, we'll talk about "What's in the Words." Yeah, so oh, absolutely. Got, yeah. The lovely, more recent songs about getting old, which I really yeah. want to talk about, Henry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I feel your pain. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. This, is, this has been wonderful, and uh, thanks so much. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh.